0: Welcome to King of Glory's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com.
1: And uh, today what I want to do is tell you what you can do with everything we learned this weekend. You know, so, so many times, I mean, if you, if you have an iPhone, and the only thing you do with your smartphone or your iPhone, whatever type of phone it is, is get a phone call. Well, that's nice, but that is so minimized compared to what a smartphone can do for you. You can bank on your phone. You can record messages on your phone. You can watch movies on your phone. A lot of times, I mean, how many? My my daughter is with us here. Jessica, uh, she's out with the babies, but um, oh no, there she is. Um, so I was working on my presentation and I'm, I'm working in, in Apple, and I'm working in Keynote, and she's a photographer, a professional photographer, and she just comes over and she goes, Mom, why are you doing that? Do this. And just one little thing she showed me shaved like 30 minutes off my prep time of a whole slide presentation because it was one step I didn't know, and it was right there, but I didn't know it. And a lot of times I feel like that's how we are with spiritual technology we have just the basic of spiritual technology and we get like five bucks of salvation when you have actually access to a billion dollars. You know, but if no one shows you how to use the technology, then you're just getting a call and answering it. And that's fine, you're going to heaven the same way people are who know how to build that phone. But let me tell you, when you start to enjoy the ease of technology, I was thinking about it today, about how we used to have to do. I taught high school. I was a high school teacher back when the first Commodore 64 computer came out. And my husband said, yes, we got an amen for that. How about that? And and um, and my husband said, this is going to just cut your test preparation time in half. But then you had to do like a hard return and a soft return. And I know the young people in here are like, what is she talking about? You couldn't just hit return and that thing come around. It was complicated. And I was like, this is not easier. It's taking me twice the time. Give me a typewriter, you know? And and now, you know, I was sitting there this morning at 4.30, uh, putting together the slides for today. And I was thinking, you know, I just drag and click, do a search on the Internet. Any picture I want comes up of any kind. I drag that over and click. I almost feel like Jesus is going to be like, well, this generation, you get this crown with these extra rubies in it because y'all had it easy. You know, it's like, y'all get a crown, but you're not getting rubies, you get an emerald. I don't know, I don't know where it's gonna go. I'm not, you know, but I'm just saying, my gosh, it's so, it's so much easier now, but even then, look at me sitting there with that computer and I'm, and I'm like, the way I'm getting pictures and then cropping them and doing them over and Jessica's like, oh, just drag it to your download. What? You can do that, it was amazing. And you know, the thing is, a lot of times we're so sincere about what we want to do and we think that that sincerity of desire is enough to get us somewhere but i'm going to tell you something about sincerity it's a beginning it's a start a lot of you ladies had a change today had a start my husband and i got saved as adults we were raised by hellhounds we were living lives of what i would politely call misplaced passions and, uh, and when we came, so when we came to the Lord, we weren't the kind of people that the pastors were looking for to join the church. We were not the two people with the steady bank account and the steady jobs and the steady everything. We were wild as crazy people, all right? And, and we just wanted to stop the crazy. You know, you hear me say all the time, if you're around me, you think when you are with broken people— If you get away from the broken people, you'll be fine. But broken people break people. So what happens is you get away, but now you're crazy. But you don't know you're crazy. Because you think you got away from crazy. But then the next thing you know, in your life, crazy starts to appear and you don't know why. Because you got away from the crazy people. And see, sincerity is a starting point. I appreciate the brother did the baptizing today. Clarifying, and I'm gonna actually build on the word that he said today. He had no idea what I was planning to share on. When you get saved, all the light switches get turned on. It's like walking into a house, your spirit man, and flipping every switch. You ever see on uh, uh, the dinosaur movies where they got to go all the way across the compound. Um, What's what's my favorite movie? Yeah, Jurassic Park. And they got to get to the, I know. I, I I just talked for 14 hours, brother. Give me some slack. <laughs> 14 hours straight to between two days. And so, um, so you know, they got to go over and they got to hit the switch and it turns everything on and it reboots. That's what happens at the moment of salvation. And then you get into the waters of baptism and spiritually all of the universe and all the dimensions has to recognize that you now identify with the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But guess what happens in your soul? Absolutely nothing. And this is where the problem lies for people because they don't understand that at that point of the end of that old life, which the Bible says, I'm a new creation in Christ, old things, behold, old things are passing. It's actually a verb in progress. Passing away, all things are becoming new. In that process, what starts for you on that day is what we call sanctification, sanctification. It is the process of purifying, cleaning up, healing the body and the soul. Now see, when people don't understand that, they're real confused on how they can have such a sincere experience with God. And they feel his presence and they know that's what they want for their life. But then the next thing they know, like Paul says in Romans, bring that up, Jesse, we'll start with it even though it's not in my slides. Jesse was kind enough to get this for me. Paul says this, he says, for I, don't, I do not do the good that I wanna do. But the evil I do, I want, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. I mean, so he's like, I'm crazy. I'm broken, y'all. I don't want to do this. The thing I want to do, I can't do. The thing I don't want to do is the thing I'm doing. Keep going. Let's keep going with that. The Next verse. Now, if I do what I do not want to do. It is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me. Oh, well, now that's a clue. So we went down in the waters of baptism. We had a sincere conversion experience. So this is no longer the authentic me operating. This is something else that's operating. Well, how do we address that? Because see, if you walk out from a church or a salvation or a, or a experience like that and nobody helps you to understand, there's still another law operating in your members. Then as soon as you fall, as soon as you succumb to the things that you're going to succumb to, your, your iniquity, your iniquitous patterns, sin patterns, you're going to feel like a failure. Other people are going to call you a failure. They're going to say your conversion wasn't real. Jesus isn't real because, look, you're just right back where you started. Well, let me tell you, Paul was the greatest evangelist of all time. Changed the world, and he's He's struggling. He's admitting his struggle. He's saying, look, folks, I can't even do what I want to do sometimes. And then the very thing that repulses me that I don't want to do, I find myself doing that again. Keep going. 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good deeds, evil is right there with me. Keep going, Jesse. For in my inner being I delight in God's law his inner man. That word in the Greek is his spirit. His spirit man delights in God and his law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Keep going. Let's just get to the end of it. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord so then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin now I'm going to talk to you today I just spent the whole weekend teaching you about the human spirit Uh, go ahead and start the slide presentation Jesse so I want you to look at this scripture now may the god of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our lord jesus christ see you are a tripart being and you can have a conversion experience in one part of your being but if you don't train the other part of your being You're going to struggle in a defeated walk with the Lord. Are you going to go to heaven? You absolutely are. But you weren't saved to live a defeated life. I illustrated yesterday. I don't have my pad. Um, Once a school teacher, always a school teacher. All right. Imagine a number line. Zero in the middle. Negative 100 on this side. Positive 100 on this side. See, a lot of people, when they're in pain and brokenness like we were, you just want that to stop. You want the pain to stop. You want the brokenness to stop. And so what a lot of people do is they're just trying to get to zero. They just want to stop that life. They want to stop that pain. And they figure if that stops alone, I'll be great. But see, that's not the God you serve. He's not a zero God on the number line. He's a plus God. He wants to bring you to plus 10. He wants to bring you to plus 20. He wants to bring you to plus 30, to plus 100. My gosh, what does that look like? Rahab said it yesterday. Rahab the harlot. She's a prostitute feeding her family, it says, behind the walls of Jericho. She could have begged be a prostitute i reckon being a prostitute paid better i probably would have done the same you know i mean if you're going to make more money what's the difference right she's got a family to take care of and you know the thing is too it's important to know that this woman wasn't just a prostitute who was selling her body as a job she was a temple prostitute to the bales which meant every perverse sexual act you can imagine was her job in the temple as worship to these false gods this woman is living a tough life and when she escapes out that window with the israelites and she's rescued she's no longer a prostitute she's no longer in that lifestyle but guess what that is folks that's zero that's all that is and so what god does is he continues to work in her life, and we don't hear anything more about her until later when they give the lineage of Jesus Christ, and she is the grandmother of Boaz in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That is the way that God redeems he doesn't just go to zero he doesn't just want the abuse and the neglect to stop he wants to take you into the plus numbers and he wants to keep pushing you so we spent the whole weekend learning about your spirit but see we're sincere and we think we're sincere and that sincerity will carry us i see one of my pastors here when i first got saved pastor connie good to see you again she's retired now from the ministry but she was one of my pastors 30 years ago so here come jamie and i from a life of misdirected passions and uh and we are just about making both each other of us miserable everybody else miserable jamie would we'd start friday night with he'd go and buy actually what happened was i was in college and i really did know the practice of sin all on my own but jamie grew up in the bronx okay in the gangs in new york city i went to prep schools I didn't know about this other life. So what I didn't know about sin, Jamie taught me, and I'm a good student. So let me tell you, saints, I'm a smart lady, and I learn fast. Evil, too. So we were living just this God-awful life, and Jamie, he, Friday night, he bring home a big old bottle of 151 rum. I'd never even heard of that in my life. It means 151 proof. Good gracious, y'all at the, back, the fact that I can stand before you today with a brain cell left is a miracle. But the point is, we just were living this. I mean, and you know, and I, and I think about it, we'd be so hung over and so still drunk the next day. That we, you know, like where you're just well, I don't know. Some of y'all probably just love God and listen to an Archie song, and that's your only sin. And God bless you if that was your sin. I have a friend like that. I'm like, what? You listen to an Archie song secretly once? That's your sin. Um, but, you know, but and and you know, we we crawl on that toilet, the floor, throw up, lay, put my face just to feel the coldness of the tile, because because tequila two tequila, three tequila floor, you know? And, you know, we went on a cruise to Mexico and, and they said, y'all wanna do the tequila tasting? I'm like, good Lord, Jesus, no. Tequila and I are not friends. Tequila and I, tequila tried to kill me, y'all. I, I, I don't need to be tasting any tequila. And, and, and they said, well, how, how long's it been since you had some? About 30 years, oh, you're gonna, no, no no so so anyway we get saved and we're just messed up but we want, we're sincere we want life to change and Pastor Con, I don't know if you remember this story or not but the Lord told me to share it today and I actually haven't told it since the very first time I've been here because it's an embarrassing story but I'm going to tell it to y'all anyway so because the Lord told me to about sincerity so we get saved and you know it seemed like for for us like with the same passion that we were practicing sin we were like we were so glad to be got, gone from that you know i mean because you know like when you're laying on the floor just to get the coldness so you can crawl back to the bed just to get enough strength in your body to go right back out and do it again then the same i mean this is a miserable life you know and so um and so we we get saved and we get into the church where uh, Connie's one of the pastors. And, um, and, and this is back in 1988. And we got saved like two years before that. But our pastor at the time, the senior pastor, he brought in a teaching called 88 Reasons Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. And they showed the movie and they gave us the little booklet and, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, Jesus come back in September, it's July, good gracious, we got to get busy. Jesus is coming back, you know, things are happening, y'all. And, and, uh, and so, you know, with all that sincerity, see sincerity is very pure. It it's, it's, it's comes from a, sin, a place in your heart. You know, and so with all that sincerity, Jamie and I are getting ready because we're not going to be like that movie they showed where all of a sudden the man's cutting the grass and (laughs) the lady, she's kind of hard-hearted, kind of a biatch, you know, and she's in the house and she looks out the window and there's that lawnmower and he is not there because he was nice and she was not nice and she got left behind. I want to tell you the gospel truth. Every time Jamie cut the grass, I'd go out and look just to make sure. I'd be like, I think about it. I thought, you know, like, I do think I'm the nicer one out of the two of us, but I don't know if Jesus thinks that. So he'd be out there to cut that grass. And I'd be like, is he, oh, is he still out there? Because I don't want to get left behind. So. This is no joke, y'all. I wish I was exaggerating because this is so embarrassing. I'm not exaggerating. This is really how it went down. And so, you know, I had just enough fear and just enough ignorance going on in my life and sincerity all combined like a little cocktail bomb to go off, right? And uh, so we come up. So then in in, uh, August of that year, we ended up taking custody of two of my husband's extended family, two little boys in his family whose mom had uh, become addicted to crack. And that was back when nobody really knew what crack was. It was new. And uh, so I have Jessica and Lauren, and I have Revae and Julian. So I have four children, all from seven to four. And we had just got the boys from New York City. They were found alone. They were hungry, you know. So we're, we're adopting them. And this is a new process. but So they've just been with us a month. And it's the night before Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, that the Lord is going to return, according to the book. So we're going to bed. And I'm like, okay, this is the night. We're all going to be ready. All right. and I'm like, anything we need to repent of when we talk about it? And he's like, I don't know. I think we got it. And I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, don't let me be that one see I'm not even worried about whether he's gonna get left behind I just don't want to get left behind okay so I'm like, if he gets left behind he'll find his way he's a he's a warrior he'll, he'll find his way to the end he'll survive the Antichrist I'm not sure about me so so it's no joke we're getting ready to go to bed we lay down and we live in military housing and we had a big old waterbed back then In a military housing, you're not allowed to have waterbed. So we had an air mattress in our waterbed because they wouldn't let you have water in the second floor of the house. So we're in bed, we get in bed and I'm like, and I'm rehearsing in my mind, the Trump will sound. the angel and then the Lord and we'll hear his voice okay I'm ready I thought well will I stay awake and wait for it and I fall asleep I thought well no it'll be okay and I'm just we're just about to fall asleep I say good gracious I wake him up Jamie the boys are not baptized (laughs) he said oh my gosh I said what do we do I said what if the trump sounds i declare this is the truth before god this is what i'm saying what if the trump sounds and the boys are left behind we're all they have mama's on crack they can't be left to the antichrist i said what do we do and i'm thinking it's now it's like almost 11 o'clock at night it's almost midnight which is what the bible says right and so we're like Can we baptize them? I don't think so, because we're not pastors. We can't baptize, only pastors can baptize. And so, you know, but we're scared. We don't want to be left behind. Now I'm starting to cry that the little boys are gonna be left behind. So we decide that God will overlook Jamie the ruler. He comes up with an expedient solution. (laughs) Fill up the bathtub. Get those babies out of the bed, and we'll just ask Jesus to forgive us for baptizing them because we weren't certified to do that now. We wake the boys up. They are five and seven years old. We wake them up at 1140 at night. We get them up, and we're like, Jesus is coming back. I mean, at this point, I could be arrested for child abuse. You know, I mean, really. And so, we tell them, "You're not baptized. We got to be baptized." And they're like, "Okay, mom. Okay. We don't want to be left behind." I mean, what, this is craziness. I know it, but it was sincere. So anyway, so Jamie, I figured Jamie should do it because he's the man. Because that's probably closer to God, right? And so Jamie, he just dumps them in the bathtub under the water in the name of jesus whatever they're they're like what time is it where are we going we baptize and the girls are like oh oh good you remember this jess yes <laughs> jessica was there the girls are praying jesus be with the boys nobody the whole Arizaga family is going when the church sound, y'all we put the boys back in bed i'm trying to calm down well, we, we probably violated a big law, a big one. We haven't been saved that long. It's probably a big one when you start baptizing in your tub without permission. But, you know, sometimes you just got to use what you got. You got to do what you got to do. So, we go, next thing you know, I fall asleep. We fall asleep. Next thing we know, we hear this sound. Like an explosion. Boom! And I think, boy, that didn't sound like a trumpet. And the next thing we know... I am raising up. I said to Jamie, I grabbed his hand, I said, this is it! (laughs) And as quickly as we rose up, we came down flat on the hardwood. Our air mattress exploded. (laughs) People, You know God, the giver part of him, thought that was the funniest thing. He just played like the biggest joke. He was like, y'all look, I can't help myself. Look at these two. I know. And so when we rose... And then we went down on the wood. I mean, I'm telling you, I grabbed his arm and we were going up and I said, this is it! We're rising! And then we were on the wood, we were confused. What are we doing on the wood? We run and Jamie goes, did we miss it? We run into the baby's room, cause we're thinking, oh God, we both got left behind. It's cause we baptized without permission. That's what I say to him. Oh my gosh, so we run in there and the babies are still there. We all missed it. I said, do you think we all missed it because we baptized? We go back to bed, we lay down. We don't know what to think. I mean, we're devastated. We were ready, sincerely, with all our hearts. But see saints, this is the thing about sincerity. You can be sincerely wrong. See, we think as long as we're sincere, all the good things are gonna happen, right? Well, of course we found out everybody else was left and Jesus wasn't coming back and we were just young believers. But you know, I know the giver part of God did that, Terry, because you know whose air mattress explodes at midnight? on the night that the return of the Lord is predicted. I mean, if we just had woke up and didn't, you know, we could have thought we didn't go, but saints, we rose and then we (laughs) descended. I mean, because the air mattress had coils in it of air. So when they blew, it just became like a big, you know, so that's what happened. It pushed all the air, pushed us up. And I mean, we both rose and then flat. My neighbors came out the next day said, oh, y'all didn't make it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I felt like Jesus let me down. I felt like, man, we told everybody like we we're supposed to. I mean, Jamie doesn't like any stickers on his car or anything. And he even let me put Jesus is coming on a bumper sticker because I said, this is our duty as believers. We need to tell people, even on the vehicle, you need to get over your vanity. I mean, we had to sticker, everything. Like, okay, I understand he can't come back till he's supposed to, but he could have had some mercy on us. He didn't have to blow the mattress up, but he did. <laughs> and, and, and see, this is the thing. After the neighbor, and then I had this, you know, my family, all the neighbors. Oh, didn't look like that worked out for it, did it? Well, maybe next time. I mean, we just I just got harassed and whatever, and I felt like Jesus let me down. But see, that's the thing. Jesus is going to do his job, but if you are sincerely wrong, you're going to go down as quick as you came up. And see, we don't understand that because we, sincerity is a starting place. And so I spent this whole weekend teaching you about the Spirit. Let's go to the next slide. Go ahead. Jesse, you there? Oh, okay. This is, oh, how is that light? Can we block that? No, okay. This is who you are. There's your body. In the middle is your soul. A lot of people don't know what the soul is, but it is the emotions, the thoughts, the will. Your your mind, your will, your emotions, that is your soul. Your spirit is the authentic you that Jesus made. The soul is learned you it is a learning your mind is a learning device like a computer so it learns what your parents said you were or weren't it learns what your culture told you you were it learns what your gender told you you were you understand your birth order that is a learned you and most of the time learned you is not anywhere close to authentic you But you can't get to authentic you until somebody flips the power switch like in Jurassic Park. The lights are on. That center part of you, which is the bank, it's the treasure chest. It's where all the goodies are. It's all there. But guess what happened in that second circle? Nothing. So you got all this good intention and then the Lord starts the work of sanctification, which we read, I wish that you'd be sanctified, cleaned up, worked out, healed, whole, renewed, out of the negatives, into the pluses, in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. Where does it start, spirit? Keep going on the slide. Jesse, am I not saying right? This is the problem. You were designed to be led by your spirit. But if you are not trained, if you are not born again and trained to live by your spirit, guess who's driving the car of your life? Your soul. Your soul is not supposed to drive. Your soul is where you heard. You're never gonna be anything. You're a a loser. You're a waste of time, you're stupid, you're lazy, you're a slut, you're a whore, you're all these things. You know, this is the stuff, whatever dreadful things your parents said to you or what they didn't say. Because you know, the psychiatric research shows type A trauma is the trauma of the terrible things that happen to you, the obvious things. My step-grandfather trafficked me among truck drivers when I was a little girl. Those are type A trauma. Type B trauma is the absence of the things you needed when you needed it, like the hug, like the words, like the kindness. Do you know that they can prove biochemically that when a young lady starts her period, that if her father is giving her appropriate physical touch, there is a Chemical released from one side of her brain that goes to the other side of the brain that controls kind of the crazy factor, like the boy crazy kind of behavior, and it calms it. So when the 14, 13, 12, whatever age she starts her cycle is not getting appropriate male touch from her father, guess what? No chemistry is released. And guess what happens to that side of the brain? It's like a fire with no fire extinguisher that comes. This is what we call the absence trauma. There's a lot of people that live crazy and broken. And you know how they discovered this? Children of missionaries. Dr. Jim Wilder in California wrote a book about this. And he, these children of missionaries were basically deviants. And they were trying to figure out why. Why God if we were giving our lives to preaching the gospel all over Africa and India and all this why didn't you cover our seed back home but see they used to put these kids in boarding schools and they while their parents were saving the world they were losing their children because of type B trauma the absence dynamic and so now a lot of times people say well you know, dysfunctions everywhere. Yes, I got, you know, I was raped, I was abused, I was neglected, I was beat, I was trafficked, I was whatever. It's really not that unique of a story anymore. But a lot of times people will feel bad that they're kind of in a broken place and nobody really did anything to them except ignore them. Well, guess what? In the brain, when you do a scan, the stress, the post-traumatic stress of the brain picture looks exactly the same as the one that was raped and defiled. Isn't that amazing? But Jesus. So let's keep going. Next slide. Who's gonna drive? Now this is a story of how this happens. You were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, a spirit that is now working in the sons of obedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You see that? Indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. I wanna pause right there for a minute. See, this is the thing. When you are dealing with restoration in your life, maturity, number one, is going to be an issue. Sometimes you just need to grow up because you were just immature and crazy, and then you settle down. Other times you have brokenness that needs to be healed. There is a third dynamic at work that Paul talked about that we read earlier in that Roman scripture, calling that law that's at work in the members, and that is iniquity. You know how a lot of time you'll see in the word sin and iniquity, sin and iniquity, sin and iniquity. Why another word? Why is it not just sin? What is iniquity? Iniquity is generationally what you received in your DNA from your family line that is a predisposition to certain sins. So if you had substance abusers in your family line, if you had rapists if you had molesters if you had thieves if you had cold-hearted people whatever the iniquitous pattern is just the same way that you get your eye color your hair color your skin color you get an iniquitous package when you're born and that's why you are predisposed now the good news of Jesus is You do not have to come in agreement with that iniquity. So something inside of you says, you see that money? Nobody's going to know if you take it. Go ahead and take it. That's iniquity. When you take it, when your soul, your mind, will, and emotions comes into agreement with that iniquity, now you just made a deal with a dark energy. You can call it a demon, you can call it darkness, you can call it whatever you want because iniquitous patterns are empowered by what they call familiar spirits. You read through the word, what's a familiar spirit? It's a family spirit. It means it was with your family. And and so it watches, it sets the trap. Oh, there's that, I'm gonna take it. And the minute you do that, you're shaking hands with a spirit that's not the spirit of the Lord. And now the law is working. And this is the thing with the brain. Recently, tragedy. There was a um, neuroscientist, his name was Jim Richmond. And he lost a daughter in Sandy Hook. And he and his wife were biologists, neurobiologists, scientists. And they started a foundation called the Aviel Foundation. And they were raising money and doing research on the brain because they stopped their previous work because they had to understand why would someone walk into a school and kill children. They just couldn't accept their only child was gone. They couldn't accept that there's no answers for this. So they went and they fundraised millions of dollars and they themselves, along with others at universities all over the world, began these studies on the brain of why people do evil. Mr. Richmond wrote an article and he talked about, he said, I do not feel, he was not a believer that I'm aware of. He said, we are not doing enough in the mental health and medical community to tell people how nefarious the brain is and how it can try to trick you into violence and other destructive behaviors. Mr. Richmond took his life last week because he no longer could live with the loss of his only daughter He had the knowledge that the soul, the brain, the mind, will, and emotions. Go ahead to the next slide. wanted to trick him, but he didn't have the light in the center. And even with all that knowledge, he had no hope. He had no healing. He had no restoration. And the pain became unbearable, and he took his life. See, saints, knowledge will not save you. Wisdom will save you. So I thought about this and, you know, having been a counselor, I stopped teaching high school, went went to Bible school, went back to school. Having been a counselor, I know how the addiction profile works. It's actually, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's pretty basic. God gave you in your brain the ability to make legitimate cocaine. And when you do things like have intimacy with your spouse, um, exercise a whole lot, other things, the natural cocaine is released into the brain. Dopamine is a precursor to it. That's why working out is so calming to people when they're really working out hard. The dopamine is being released in the brain and it makes the brain feel better. See, what the brain's job is, is what it's learned in your life. See, again, let's go to the next slide. I think it's the one. Is that about preeminence? I want to put that up there. No, keep going. Go to the next one. Law first mentioned. Whenever something is mentioned first in the scripture, you know that it's preeminent. Notice again, this is what we started with, that you would be sanctified. What first? Spirit. Turn on the lights. Then What? The soul. And then what? The body. See, some people, they just want to work on the spirit. Oh, go to church, learn things, pray, worship. And they don't do jack diddly for your soul or your body. And Jesus, Paul is saying, I want you to pay attention to the whole deal. Don't just work on your spirit. Work on the soul. Work on the body. Let all three parts of who you are serve you well. You know, but a lot of people, especially in religious circles, they're just going to cover dishes and what have you, and they're not in that gym at all. Take a walk, folks, something. Okay? See, he wants you to be sanctified, all three, not just the one. But see, this is the thing. The brain, it's the mind, will, and emotions. It's not the spirit. It doesn't know the laws of God. It doesn't know that it wasn't supposed to drive. So most of us go through life with the soul driving. You're in the car. Spirit is either next to you or in the back seat. And there's the soul. Drugs, alcohol, all kinds of deviations, brokenness. Soul's driving you around. The spirit's grieved because you're born again. You gave your life to Christ. Why am I doing, I'm like Paul. What is going on? This, I don't want to do this, I'm doing this, I don't want to do that, I want to do this, I can't do that. Why? Because the wrong part of your being is driving your car. Now, this is the thing. When the soul starts to learn that the spirit is a better driver, it starts to move out of the way more easily. My husband is a ruler retired from the special forces of the military, commanded special forces troops all over Afghanistan, Iraq, teams that rescued these people and those people. He now the director of spear, anti-terrorist assistance, you know, protecting embassies all over the world so we never have a Benghazi. My, this man is a legit warrior. He thinks he's the best driver. And you know what if you're evading the Taliban he is but I don't live in Afghanistan y'all I live here where normal folk drive the only time this man lets me drive the car is if he's flown for like 30 hours and I pick him up at the airport and then he will let me drive him home because theoretically he's still convinced in his ruler that he could drive better but he knows that the law probably dictates that he should not drive a operator motor vehicle so he lets me drive that little bit. We'll be pulling out of the airport. Pulling out of the airport. And actually it starts as soon as he's coming across the air bridge walk in to get to where the baggage is and he'll see me and he'll say, "Babe, I see your car. Pull around to this area and park here." I mean, I can't even park you know without permission. Help. Help. That's what he calls it. Ruler help. I'm like, "Dude, stay in your lane." You know, so all this government despair. Good gracious. I mean, I mean I can't he's not even in the car yet. And he's already telling me where to drive. So I pull up he gets in. He's exhausted. We haven't seen each other in 90, 120 days, whatever. We're pulling out of the airport in Norfolk, Virginia, getting ready to go back to the Outer Banks where we live in Carolina. And he'll say, Claire Wright. <laughs> well, that's good to know. I didn't even know what that meant the first time. Claire Wright. And he said it real loud and sharp. Claire Wright okay what is that so code something he goes oh sorry babe i you know just i'm not used to being back in a normal car because see when they're driving like that they're all watching clear right clear left clear forward clear back one time my husband was in a vehicle and his the holy spirit has been such a helper to him in so many instances save his life and other men's lives um and women um he was in a car and everybody has a job to do when they're in that and they're driving like that. So that's why he was helping me out to let me know the Taliban was not coming on the right in Norfolk, Virginia. And I appreciate it. I mean, you know, that's nice to know, but anyway, you know, and then he's like, Oh, I got to get out of the war mind and back to home life. But one time he was in the backseat and a foreign driver that they were paying was driving them who's supposed to work for the anti-terrorist assistance. And, uh, He noticed that the driver was acting loopy, and he told him, because they don't slow down. If they have an accident, they throw their card out the window, and the people are allowed to go and make a claim at the embassy, but they don't slow down because they won't live if it's a trap. So they just, when they hit another car, they literally toss that business card out the window, and they keep going full speed. Well, the man was taking the, the speed down below what is safe, and Jamie told him, speed up. And the man didn't. He said, I'm only going to tell you one more time. Speed up. man did not speed up. My husband pulled him by the shoulders out of the driver's seat, climbed in front just as the Taliban was pulling up to shoot up the vehicle. And this was why it was moving. You see, we are at war, people. But a lot of us are driving like we're in Norfolk, Virginia, just living our lives with no attention To the battle that's raging around us let's go to the next slide in your spirit is where everything is all the treasures all the goodies that's why the fruit of the spirit is called the fruit of the spirit how many of you have ever tried to love more tried to be more patient tried to be right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Have you ever tried to be good, better, good, and and you really try because you're sincere and then you're not good and you're not kind and you're not more loving? Like for a little bit you fool yourself and then you're really not better at it because you're originating it from the soul. The soul is driving And it's never supposed to have the keys completely on its own. The body, the soul, and the spirit are supposed to work in synergy as it's being sanctified and healed and restored. But all the stuff that's going to do that is coming from the spirit. So the good stuff's in the spirit. So keep going. Let's keep going, Jesse. So there remains. Boy, that is like, what is that? Is that the door? Okay. So there remains a full, this is Hebrews, a full and complete Sabbath rest for the people of God, for the one who has once entered his rest, also rested from the weariness and pain of his human labors, just as God rested from those labors uniquely his own. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. You know what's interesting? In the King James, which a lot of you probably read growing up or since you've been saved, it says labor to enter the rest. What the heck does that mean? Labor to enter the rest. Labor to enter the rest. Next screen, Jesse, please. Your spirit is where that rest is. Your spirit is like a pitcher of water that tips into the desert of your soul and it quenches as it's being redeemed, as it's being sanctified, as you're dealing with iniquity, as you're dealing with hidden sin. But let me tell you again, the brain, how it works with this, how it tries to trick you. The brain knows about the cocaine. The brain's job is the computer that keeps the climate control in your body and in your brain. So when we have unhealed hurts and wounds, in our memories, in our brain, there's a picture of our memories and they float and they look like beautiful tree branches like this. And they're beautiful and they float up there in the brain. But when we have trauma, neglect, abuse, those memory branches, instead of being beautiful branches, have thorns on them they look like thorns, that release bad chemicals into the body that make you feel anxious and nervous and sad and alone and neglected. And until the healing comes to those branches with the spikes on them, You are going to have, every time a thought goes through your brain like a wind and it activates those memories, the bad chemicals are released and you feel sad, anxious, alone, shameful. It's a bad feeling. And the brain says, alert, alert, climate control. We feel bad. I feel bad. Fix it. Fix it now. We're on fire. We're on fire. Alert, alert. Get the pornography. Get the drugs. Get the alcohol. Get anything that I remember. Release the cocaine. Go have sex. Have a lot of sex with whoever will give it to you. Get me that cocaine and get this fire out. That's how the brain tricks you. And so when you go, to rehab now we're in a we're in an age of sexual brokenness that is unmatched and we tell people well there's nothing you can do it's a desire did you remember that first scripture we read working in our desires people where are the voices that are saying just because you desire it you should have it not everything you desire is going to bring life to you You can't act on every desire. Well, I want to do this thing and with this person and this way or this, that, or this, that. No. And let me tell you this. Love is not love. Love is patient and it's kind. It doesn't seek its own. The Lord made sure because he knew this day was going to come when they said love is love. Love whatever you want to do. It's love. No. He gave us a whole chapter to make sure we could identify it because there were going to be counterfeits because we weren't going to know what it really looked like. Oh, I love you, baby. Let me hit you again. Let me cheat on you. Let let the power be turned off. But I love you, baby. No, you don't love me. Love is patient. It's kind. It doesn't seek its own. You got something for me, but it ain't love. So see how the brain... See, now this act of sanctification is so important, because you know how many Christians live in darkness with secret shameful sins? They're bound by pornography, they're bound by lust, they're bound, and they don't know why, because their spirit man is sitting in the passenger seat, or sitting in the back seat, crying their eyes out with grief over their secret sin and they don't even know if they should be on the worship team for real anymore, or should they be in church, or should they, because maybe they're just pretending. See, you're not pretending. This is the real you. Authentic you is transform authentic you, but the brain isn't tricky. It's nefarious, and you gotta be, you gotta teach the brain that the spirit is excellent. See, that takes time, that takes discipline. So Jamie, he let me drive one time, coming back from Florida. I think he must have been delusional. He said, I'm so tired, babe, I'm gonna let you drive. All the kids said, what? Everybody's head turned. I'm driving, he falls asleep. I'm driving the car. I'm driving down the road, y'all, 95, about 75, 80 miles an hour. He's got his head like this sleeping. I'm listening to music, you know, got my Jesus culture on, you know, getting my jam on, driving in the car, feeling like big stuff. My husband let me drive the car, y'all. Woohoo! look at me. And next thing I know, I mean, this only happened like five years ago, so it's not like it was 30, <laughs> okay? And all of a sudden, from a dead sleep, he shot up and grabbed the steering wheel and pulled it. And we were running off the road at almost 80 miles an hour. And I'm like, Jesus! <laughs> it's post-traumatic stress. I don't know what's going on. But, you know. And, and, and everybody in the car is screaming because we almost wrecked. And he goes, oh, my gosh. He said, I thought I heard you going off the road. Yeah, it was peaceful. It was peaceful until he almost tried to kill us. My husband's going to come and talk about, in a minute here, uh, about about training. See, this doesn't happen. You can't just say, oh, okay, so my spirit is supposed to drive. Okay, spirit, here's the keys. Here you go. The soul is not going down like a punk, y'all. The soul is like this man thinking that it drives just fine. The soul is like, I've been driving this car. 47 years and you want me to hand the keys over to old mushy shiny over there hell no see the spirit knows what it offers but the soul has to learn see and what happens is if you have been someone who has struggled with addiction or secret sin or something A lot of the times there's so much shame with that. It's this cycle of shame that the the Lord, you know, wants to prevent because the more you do the things you don't want to do, the more shame you are, the more bad you feel, the more corrupt you feel, instead of realizing half of what's happening is simply the monitor computer of the brain saying, I've got bad feelings, fix it. It's dealing, it's coping. The brain is calling for the cocaine because of the bad feelings. So guess what bad feelings are supposed to be? Breadcrumbs. They're supposed to be what you pick up and follow. See, we get a bad feeling, we feel alone, we feel neglected, we feel shamed, we feel abandoned. Whatever the bad feeling is, I've had them all, I'm pretty sure, and multiple times. Well, you start thinking, you know, I think it's going to be easier to go to sleep, take that prescription and go to sleep and just not wake up because that's easier than this misery. And, and see, this is the thing. We get that bad feeling and we don't know right there if we will give the keys to the soul, the spirit, and we will track the breadcrumbs of the bad feeling, we will get to the root of it And when the healing comes, the thorn bushes on the memories literally break off in your sleep and are carried away by the the body. Is God not amazing what he can do for us? But see, what happens is when, when the soul doesn't know that, remember, the soul is learning. It's just a computer. When the soul doesn't know that, it says, get me the cocaine. Remember that picture? It said subconscious, conscious mind. This is happening in the subconscious of your mind. This is not in your will. You can't get to this. You are never going to be able to shut it off if you're only dealing in the soul. Because what will happen is you'll give up one addiction and replace it with another. Like church or fanaticism or working out or whatever. And I love working out, don't hear me wrong, but I'm saying disordered li- living is disordered living. All the people doing keto, yeah, okay, but did you deal with your eating disorder? Because you know, you're know you just gonna be a skinny or broken person here in about 30 days, okay? Beside the fact you're not gonna have any of the, co- the carbohydrates you need to make serotonin and melatonin, so you're gonna be stressed out and depressed on top of skinny. That's not gonna work well for you, trust me. Okay, so again, the brain is the climate control, it's the computer. So when the bad feeling comes, what we have to do, instead of trying to numb it, instead of trying to make the bad feeling go away, we need to pick up the breadcrumbs and follow it to the root. There's, if you've got problems like this, there's people I know in this church that are trained, people I've helped train myself, All you've got to do is call. Does the healing room still operate here? Okay. There are places you can go. There's a phone you can pick up. You can call, and and they will help you pick up the breadcrumbs to get to the root of the thorny branches in the brain. And Jesus will heal so that you will be sanctified, not only in salvation in your spirit, but in your soul and your body. Because you know what, people? The body has memory. It has memory of abuse. That's why, that's why sexual dysfunction is so profound in a marriage where one or both partners have been abused because the body remembers and it flinches away from what it's experienced. The body can be healed as well. My husband fell out of the helicopter in the Bosnian War and broke his back. He fell 40 feet onto the steel deck of a ship. They airlifted him out. Interestingly, when he was laying on the deck of that ship, and it was a young boy in the helicopter they were fast roping. You know how special forces come down through the center of a helicopter in the bottom? They're fast roping. There's was a young boy sitting up there. My husband's gun pouch got caught, ammo pouch on the thing and the boy my husband's holding the rope the boy panicked didn't know what to do And my husband's caught he has to make a decision so he put one hand but by then the momentum was too late and he fell because he's trying to unhook himself he's gonna fall either way but he tried to save himself the boy just panicked he's a kid fell 40 feet landed on his back in full armor full guns full everything he led he was teaching a little bible study in that ship to just a couple men two three men I think yeah three men that's all doesn't seem like he's making too big of an impact right if you're into numbers except that while my husband was laying on the deck of that ship and they were cutting his clothes off because there were no surgeons on that ship and they were going to medevac him they were in Bosnia people he had to be medevaced all the way to Sigonella Italy so all they did was cut off his clothes And shoot him up with morphine. And pray to God he should stay alive until they got him to Italy. And this young man that my husband led to the Lord was right there. And he laid hands on him and he prayed. He said, Jesus, don't just heal him. Don't let him go. (laughs) An impact. He had to learn to walk again. Surgery. It was, a, it was a rough recovery, but his life was spared by one kid that he was ministering to in, the, in, in a room in the ship. You know, you train the Spirit. And, by, and, and see, the Spirit knows. The Bible says by reason of use we've trained our senses. Where are they? In the soul. Our ability to smell our ability to touch our ability to feel we train them to discern good or evil why the soul can be trained it can be taught the spirit is excellent and when that happens guess what the next time there's a situation, the next time the bad feeling comes, you follow the breadcrumbs, you get the help, the thorny things go away, and as that sanctification continues, the bad feelings are less, and if you got a bad feeling, you can't get a hold of anyone, you say, uh-oh, my soul is about ready to tell me to do something real bad here, because the soul is doing this to you, the brain. Alert, 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 you feel bad, you have anxiety, get the pornography, get the pornography. I'm telling you, I'm not playing. I'm stressed out. I'm so stressed out. I can't take it anymore. Get the pornography now. Boy, you better have the key to say, we fixing the mess up here. You drive. (laughs) Okay. See, a lot of the shame that people feel over their sin is biochemical issues. I'm not taking away the sin factor. I'm just saying you're carrying a weight for things that have nothing to do with your will or desire. You're carrying the weight of sin because your brain is a computer that's been trained. And it's time to train the brain to do different. It's time to train the brain to let the spirit drive. And all this stuff I taught you all weekend about redemptive gifts, all of that is in your spirit. It's like access to the greatest armory on the earth. And all you got to do is start getting in there. Next slide, please. I think we're going to skip up a few. Jesse, keep going. Let us therefore make every effort. Let's make every effort to, to enter into that rest, that Sabbath that's in the spirit, training the soul, training the brain to learn that the spirit is excellent and is the driver of the car, the true driver. I would now like to introduce to you the master trainer Mr. Jamie Arizaga, uh,
0: Jesse, can you go back one slide? Jesse, can you go back one slide? I wanted, i just wanted to say, Jesse, Jesse. There you go. Keep it up there. <laughs> oh, well, first of all, uh, thank you all for coming out. Uh, I was, you know, I was going to plan a. a, a co-past or preach with joanna we were thinking we would do like the diamond and silk thing you know you who knows diamond and silk see talk i was gonna be up there uh-huh yeah Mm yeah amen <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> you know but uh we figured that was probably a little too much so <laughs> so uh so i decided we decided that show go and then i'll just highlight some of the things so uh pastor thank you so much for such kind words you know i'm there's many, many guys out there that do a whole lot more than what I do. You know, there's guys daily who are in the forefront that you guys never hear about that are constantly kicking doors and bringing in uh, the bad guys that are out there. And believe me, they're out there and they're spreading like a plague. You know, so I thank you for the kind words, but you know, those guys are, are, are really out there. Like Rick would say, you know the rangers they they're the infantry and the rest of us are their support teams <laughs> yeah. but you know you know definitely keep all those guys out there in prayer and gals because now they're they also getting involved in that in that type of uh, activities and so please keep them in prayer because just cuz you don't hear about it in the news or in everyday media, they are truly out there day and night fighting for our cause, for our freedoms. Amen. So, so I love this picture. This is an awesome picture, which brings me into the, the training. You know, uh, Joanne talked about the spirit. The spirit needs to be needs to be trained, right? Well, uh, I mean, the soul needs to be trained, right? Sorry, the spirit is already trained. Well, the soul needs to be trained. Well' part of that training. What does training do? Training brings discipline, right? I mean, uh, Rick, Rick, he told me he was a ranger. Spent, we spent all these. Who, who's been in the military here? First of all, I want to thank you all for your service. Amen. Amen. All you military guys and gals, you know that the training teaches discipline, right? and which and so what is discipline it equips you and equips us to listen to obey without question right i mean in the military we're given a set of orders and and we do it take for example the normandy war right thousands and thousands of young men british Americans, all our allies got together, they were gonna do this one big push in Normandy. Thousands of men got on boats to attack the beaches, knowing, knowing that most of them will not be coming home. Well, that's discipline. These guys went to the, got on those boats, attacked those beaches under the orders of their leaders get on those boats attack the beach we have to take those beaches and they did that's discipline that's the same thing we have to learn that's the same thing the soul has to learn is that discipline to do come in the opposite feeling i mean think about it if you didn't have that discipline some of these jokers be what you want me to get in this metal boat that first of all it's already leaking To go to a beach that's a mile away while these guys are shooting their machine guns on me, you gotta be on crack. There's no way I'm gonna get on that. But they did, they didn't even question it. Every single one of them got on that boat and went to the beach. And God bless the soul, most of them didn't make it back. (laughs) Uh, Training also teaches you to react differently than you're naturally taught, right? Rick, Rick was a ranger. And the special forces, worth, we spent hours, the government spends hours and hundreds of thousands of dollars to teach us to react contrary to our natural feelings. For example, in the Normandy attack, these guys went to the beach. They knew they were gonna be under fire, right? They went, that's the discipline. In special operations, we conduct a lot of covert, Operations at night. We can go, we can complete many missions, get in, get out, never, nothing happens. But there are those missions where we conduct where all of a sudden we get caught on an ambush. Most people, their natural reaction is to run away from the ambush, right? I mean, that's your natural tendency. Us operators, we know the safest place to go is to run towards an ambush. Right? Going towards an ambush is the weakest point of the ambush. But it takes that discipline to get past that, to turn around and go towards the ambush. It's not a good feeling knowing there's 240 rounds coming at you and you, you know, to run that way. Let me tell you, the first time that happened to me, I was like, man, I don't know if I want to run that way. <laughs> could, can I, could, I be the, could I be in the middle of the stack? Right? <laughs> Because, you know, because at least in the middle, you got a couple of guys in front of you. You know, some goes down, they're going to catch a couple of those lead. But that's, that's the opposite of that training, right? Running towards the ambush. The other day, I was, we were making, so I say all that because how does that apply in real world, right? In the real world, you know, we just learned about, I'm a ruler, so you're only going to get about five more words from me. So, all right. So, <laughs> in the real world, you know, you, you guys learned this, this weekend that I'm all, rulers We're all about efficient, time, and things like that, right? So, this weekend coming here, we stopped at McDonald's. I went up to them little, you know, now at McDonald's, you got to go to the electronic board first, right? So, I went to the electronic board. It wasn't working fast enough for me. So, But I saw in there, it said, you know, uh, a white egg, an egg white McMuffin. So it's on, the, it's on the menu. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is an everyday thing. So it wasn't moving fast enough, so I went to the counter. So I got to the, the young lady up there. I go, let me get two egg, regular egg McMuffins and an egg white McMuffin. Well, she had trouble figuring out how to, how to work the machine, and so she kept calling her a special order. So my rulerness kicked in. No, I don't want this to be a special order. Your menu says it's a regular item. I just want a regular item. She goes, no, it's a special order. Just give me a minute. I said, no, no, look, forget it. So my rulerness is kicking in. I said, forget it. Just give me three egg McMuffins. So by this time, a supervisor comes. What's the problem? He wants a special order. No, I don't want a special order. I just want an egg white McMuffin, right? And I started it, it's, that ruling, that started to rise up in me. But here's where the discipline comes in. I finally let the spirit drive. And I came in in the opposite spirit. And my whole demeanor, my whole tone changed. Any other given day, I would have been, are you a dummy? Are you, what, what part of three egg McMuffins are we not getting here? But No. I came in in the opposite spirit, and that's what the discipline is. It's coming in in the opposite spirit of what you, not, what you normally want to do. And it's hard. It's not easy, especially for a ruler. Uh, well, for anyone, but I think, you know, I'm a ruler, so I'm only talking about rulers. It's, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's tough. It is really, really hard to come in the aspect you know, in that operative spirit, especially coming from the atmosphere or the environment that I, I normally work in day in and day out, you know? It's, it's tough to to manage these killers and, and and be kumbaya and hold a hand and say, hey, hey brother, look, man, I need you to be cool, be nice. And I, I, I can't talk to the guys like that. So I, I have, to, it, it takes a lot for me to come out of that element where I work at day in and day out and to step into everyday life in society. So it's a constant battle for me. But I'm getting better at it, right, babe, you, you see, you know? And regardless of what she says, I am the better driver, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, uh, but it, 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 it's very tough, right? It's tough. Rick could tell you, anybody else in the military, it's really a discipline to be able to let the spirit drive you and drive your everyday life. Amen. Is it all right if I share a word with brother? Brother, stand up. I saw you when you were up there. T- <laughs> <laughs> My daughter says, as I get older, I get the vapors. (laughs) I'm getting the vapors. The Lord wants you to know you're not a mess. You were a mess. You came up a new person. And he is going to use you, use who you are, to influence the next generation. You're going to be a mover and a shaker. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Folks. Uh, so the discipline, it takes a lot. I know, you, you know, see, she painted me as a, uh, a killer and now I'm, you know. <laughs> Why, man? Can't do that. <laughs> uh, so I hope that this weekend, those that were here, you got a lot of what my work my wife was imparting to all of you you know like in the teams we need all the giftings to work together that's the only way we can conquer evil and, and move forward we need each other i'm a ruler my wife is a teacher we make a great team i'm i'm who i am because of her support she's who she is because I supported her, and I drove her up here this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) You know. So take all that, everything that you learned this weekend, work with each other. The pastor's team's got a great team. You guys got a great house here. Work with each other. Reach out to each other. And you're going to be strong. Amen. Thank you.
1: You know i've been in itinerant ministry for 14 years traveling my husband was saving the world i was saving the world too just in a different way and i had a dream uh last about six months ago and i saw us both tag team preaching together and uh <laughs> and i said you know babe i saw us preaching together and he said with my part seven words <laughs> And I said, I don't know, but I said, and then when we were getting ready to come here, I had a dream that morning. And I said, I think you're supposed to share down there in Asheville. And I said, you pray about it and see what the Lord gives you. I've been married to this man for 38 years coming this March, Aunt May. Been a while, y'all. I'm sincerely wrong. It's a lifestyle choice, trust me. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I've been married to him a long time, and I can count on one hand the times I've seen him cry, but what he saw in his spirit made his spirit so present, so sensitive to the Lord that he shared that. He doesn't ever do that. He gives words, but I've seen him cry in his entire life, less than five times. You know, this is the thing. When the soul learns, when the brain is trained, go ahead, Mike, how excellent the spirit is, it starts getting out of the way real quick. I was standing there at the McDonald's with him. You know, I, and it used to be i get anxious when he get like that. Because, you know, I'm a peacemaker. I'm just like, you know, if they give me, you know, a fish sandwich, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> you know, I just leave, you know. I'm not the one who's going to raise a fuss about it. I'm just like, all right, I'll go somewhere else. I'll throw it out and go get a. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not a war person, you know. And so when he gets rulered up like that because something's not going, you know, and, and, he was, and he did just like he said. And then, see, the thing is, a lot of times try to, people try to check their behavior with the brain. Because you can. Your brain can control you. It absolutely can. And so you're feeling mad and you're worked up and you feel your carnality coming out. And you, like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all, right? Check yourself. But see, there's a different atmosphere when you lower your tone but you're still angry. Fine. Then just give me the Big Mac right you don't get crazy you don't get ugly on them but your spirit's not there but that man in an instant went from i don't want a special order (laughs) you know because it's inefficient and he's used to commanding troops of men and running a 60 million dollar contract can't you just get him an egg mcmuffin and i mean all of a sudden he just shifted right over into his spirit and he said you know what He said let's not worry about that and you could see her just relax because she was getting stressed too this young girl trying to you know she's like good gracious she doesn't know who he is but she knows it's not going well for her you know what i'm saying so this is what i want to say to you you have resources to manage when the bad feelings come isn't it interesting you're supposed to run to the ambush when he told me that this morning we were talking about this i said what and he said, oh, yeah. He said, it's the, he said it's the weakest point in the attack is to run straight at it. Man, when the bad feelings come, people, when the anxiety comes, if you've got a problem with substance abuse, a secret sin of any kind, I'm not going to ask you to come up or raise your hand at all. I'm not here to embarrass you. What I'm here to say is there's hope for you. If you've got a problem with, with masturbation, if you've got a problem, I don't care what it is, if you've got a problem, When that happens, pick up the phone and call a trusted someone. Get help to start training the brain. Start recognizing you don't have to be a slave. You are in a sanctification process. It's coming. And you know, people, I'm gonna tell you, there's plenty of people that use their marriage partner just like a cocaine. It's not a real coming together. It's an abuse of the coming together because they just want to feel better because they need the cocaine. There's all kinds of ways to be dysfunctional y'all. You can be married, not even outside of marriage and be just purely dysfunctional. What I want you to know is you can train the brain and you can break the pattern and you can run to the ambush, follow the bad feelings. Why are you so anxious? what is that bad feeling where is it coming from get to the trauma get to the neglect get to the memory where the thorny tree is in the brain and let jesus pull those thorns off people that's life jesus said that he came that you would have life abundant
0: thank you for listening to king of glory sermon of the week connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.